0: Hey, so good to see you today. Welcome to those of you joining us in Auditorium 2 as well. Maybe you're watching online or you're coming to us by way of television or the podcast. So glad that you are here today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're actually finishing up Matthew chapter 6 this week uh, as we get ready to go into uh, our kind of resurrection weekend celebration next week. I I had a, a really special privilege last week. If you may remember last July... Um, we traded Pastor Gilligan's for a day, and my brother was here and uh, spoke. Well, last Sunday, I had the privilege of preaching at the church that he pastors in Ocala, Florida, and uh, we've just been playing musical Pastor Gilligan's. And uh, so that was a lot of fun. And I want to thank Dr. Don Litchie for a good word last week. Wasn't it just helpful and so fitting? Uh, for where we are right now, but we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 6. Uh, you know, if you were with us two weeks ago, we were looking at the passage of Scripture where Jesus tells us that we are not to worry, which can be easier said than done, hasn't it? We, we went to lunch on Monday, Rhonda and I, with uh, my brother and his wife, and we were sitting in the restaurant, and looked up, and the TV was on in there, and the news was all about the horrific shooting in Nashville I mean, it doesn't take long for us to realize there's no shortage of things to worry about. And at that church in Nashville today, it's their first Sunday since the unspeakable. And I think it'd be good for us to stop and pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, don't you? And so, Father, we come to you. And God, so many things in our broken world that we don't get or understand. And, and Father, we pray for the families in that school and in that church. Lord, especially for those families that have been impacted by the loss of loved ones in such a tragic, tragic way. Lord, would you give them your presence and your strength? Lord, we pray for Covenant Church today. Lord, that your grace and your comfort would be with them. Father, we pray for our children. Lord, that you would fill them with a sense of your peace, that you'd cover them with your security. Lord, we pray for the leaders in that church. We we pray for the leaders in our nation. God, that you would bring wisdom and discernment by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, in a world that's filled with so much that is broken and not right and that could bring an anxious heart to each one of us. Father, instead, would you help us to trade that in for a peace that passes all understanding? Lord, we, we know that your word speaks to us. And God, I'm confident that your desire is that your word would speak to some of us in a very powerful way today. And so God, we, we give this time to you. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in each one of our hearts and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're, we're in Matthew chapter six, but if you were with us two weeks ago, you know that we, we kind of started out in Psalm 42. And as the psalmist writes Psalm 42, and even into Psalm 43, a lot, of, a lot of scholars think that those two psalms should actually be read together. There's this theme that's there. The psalmist talks about how he is um, desperate and now he has lost his appetite, and how he can't stop crying, and he's in this really dark place. And yet, even though he mentions all those things, three times you see this statement that you see in Psalm 42, 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? And why so disturbed within me? Who's he talking to there? He's talking to himself. Do any of you ever talk to yourselves? Go ahead, you can admit it. We're in church. I do. We had some really good conversations, me and me. Right? <laughs> And there's times when we, and here's what he's words is showing us, right? There are moments when we just listen to ourselves. And if we're just stuck listening to ourselves, we get stuck listening to ourselves. And there's times when we have to stop listening to ourselves and start talking to ourselves. And this is what he does here. And he says, in the darkest of days, he says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So what we talked about is that there's times when worry comes knocking, and it knocks loud, and it gets loud. This week in the headlines, our, our worry was loud in those moments when worry gets loud, try talking to yourself. And there's things that we should speak to ourselves in those moments so we're gonna talk again today, we're gonna to kind of finish up, words for when we worry. If you're gonna to talk to yourself, what do you say? In those moments when anxiety or depression or concern or overwhelm, when, when worry comes our way, what do we say to ourselves if we're not just gonna listen but we're actually gonna to talk to ourselves? Two weeks ago, we started this out, we, we started reading Matthew six and we looked at two examples Of times what we say, one was that I have great value, the other is that I won't waste with worry. We looked at those two. For the sake of time, I'll I'll let you go and take a look at those online. I have great value. I won't waste with worry. We're going to jump back into what Jesus is saying here to us. Let me give you, though, because I'll reference it a couple of times today, a really good resource that I mentioned last time If you have wrestled with anxiety or you have someone that you love that is struggling with worry or concern or anxiety or panic attacks or anything along those lines, a book called Attacking Anxiety by Pastor Sean Johnson. He's the pastor of Red Rocks Church in Denver, Colorado. Attacking Anxiety is a powerful resource. It is biblically based. It has a lot of really practical help Um, And I would just recommend, if you or a loved one is in a season like that, check that book out. Last time when I mentioned it to you, I had the title wrong. Instead of calling it Attacking Anxiety, I called it Anxiety Attacks. That's not the right title (laughs) for so many reasons. It's called Attacking Anxiety, and uh, you should get it. All right, let me give you three more today. Three more things. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, words for when we worry. Here's the third one, number three. When that worry comes in, we say to ourselves, I am provided for. Go ahead and say it with me. I am provided for. Let's get it one more time for auditorium, two and those watching on a screen. I am provided for. Why do we worry so many times? Because we look at where we're at, and we think we're not going to have what we need. And that's what Jesus hits for us here. It's the things that we lack that we often worry the most about. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable? than they. He says, look, you're provided for. He's going to unpack that a little bit more as we go through this. Now, in those times, in the biblical times, food, finding it day by day, was actually a challenge. That was a major concern. And the clothing that they would wear, that was a concern for them. Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He uses the birds and he uses the flowers and he wants us to see that if God can take care of these things that in our minds are often so insignificant, how much more will he take care of you? And for some of you, you know this. For some of you, this hits right where you are today because you're in a tough financial spot. You don't know how you're gonna make it financially. Maybe it's changes in your job. Maybe it's what your bank account looks like right now. Maybe it's the bills that you have crushing you. And when you hear that, that your heavenly father says, not only does he love you, but he'll provide for you, it resonates with you, especially right now. And you're like, Lord, that's, that's me. I need provided for. But for many of us, that might not be where this scripture hits you. Because for some of us, it's not really a financial concern right now. You're not worried about what you're going to eat. And for many of us, the only worry we have about what we're going to wear is not that that we don't have clothes, but we don't know what to wear because we have too many clothes. Anybody? (laughs) Right, so where does this passage apply to us? Well, for all of us, there is some basic part of life that we worry about. And for some of us, it's in seasons where it's more intense than others. It might not be that you need a job. It just might be that you're miserable in the job that you have. Maybe you're looking for a friend or you're looking for a spouse. Maybe you're hoping to become a parent. Maybe you're just trying to get through school or you need help with some directions or you're in this weird season in your life right now or it's decision-making and you don't know what to do. If you're in those places, God will provide for you. So let's, let's start here and make this kind of practical. Jesus makes the whole thing a little bit, if we're not careful, a little bit overly simplistic, doesn't he? Because he says, look, if he takes care of the birds and the flowers, he'll take care of you. But there's an important part of scripture that we need to get that paints a bigger picture. And it's this idea. God provides, but I still have to work. (laughs) God provides, but I still have to work. Just because God is my provider doesn't mean I can just sit back with my feet up. Paul says it this way to the church in Thessalonica, 2 Thessalonians 3.10. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Anybody ever want to put that on your fridge? If you've got kids in CSM right now, I might print that one out. No work, no eat. And look, I've known people who have kind of responded that way spiritually. They say, well, I'm just waiting for God to provide. And God says, well, I'm just waiting for you to get up. (laughs) The reality is if you just think you can sit around and pray for groceries and they're gonna appear on your porch, you may be sadly mistaken. Like now look, I'll I'll tell you this, I've known people who in times of need have had God miraculously put groceries on their porch, but they weren't sitting there binge watching Netflix. If you think you can just play video games and then somehow your bills are gonna disappear, if you think just because you did a good deed that God's gonna fill your bank account, it's not how it works. And the reality is, even with the birds, right, think about this, it says that God provides for them, but the natural order of things is that they have to go out and get the things that God has naturally provided. And so that's an important thing for us to think about. Another side of this that's really important is this, that oftentimes when God provides, it comes in seasons of difficulty or loss or hurt or emptiness or need or change in our lives. And sometimes we think that just because we're going through a difficult season then somehow God hasn't provided... And the truth is, we must trust in God's provision, even in challenging times, because challenging times will come. And when they do, that doesn't mean God hasn't provided. It just means we live in a broken world. We, we live in a place where things will be difficult sometimes. We, we live in places where we will have a bad report from a doctor, where we may get downsized, where there may be these times where we go, God, I, I don't know how this is going to work out which is all the more times when we need to trust in him and see that he is our provider. But let me encourage you with this. We must hold on to God's promise before we are handed God's provision. We must hold on to God's promise before we are handed God's provision. Here's what we like to do. We like it when God provides for us to hold it out and say, God kept his promises. Does God keep his promises, yes or no? You better believe he does, right? And so what we like to say is God provided for me and he kept his promise. It's harder for us when we need provision to say God will keep his promise, right? And oftentimes we have to hold on to the promise even though we haven't yet received the provision. Ron and I were flying back from our trip the other day. And this has happened to me in the last, I don't know, about 10 to 15 years. I, I like to fly, I love to travel, but if I'm, if I'm flying, and it starts to get a little bit of turbulence, I just start to get a little weirded out by the whole thing, and I, and I start to worry. Even before we left, just before we left, I had seen a news article that came through that was saying just how much safer it is to fly than to drive, like say on the Anthony Wayne Trail right now. Anybody with me? <laughs> right, so it's safer to fly than it is to drive, and yet still, there's something about that when I'm out of control. So we were flying, and the way the seats went, um, like I was, I was sitting here, but Rhonda was in the seat in front of me. So like we we weren't sitting next to each other, and I had these two other ladies on either side of me, you know. And I'm sitting here, and the pilot comes on, and he says, "Well, we're not going to be able to do any of the service, you know, where they bring you a drink and bad cookies and all that. So we're not going to be able to do that right now because we're going to get some really rough air for the next half an hour." And I was like, well, bless God. And it was. Like, there were some moments where it got kind of bumpy and kind of sketchy. And I'm not going to lie. Like, every time that happens, I get, like, I get like kind of filled with a little bit of angst. And I get, I get a little bit nervous. And it just kind of bothers me. And I, there I am. Rhonda's up there. I'm back here all by myself. And I thought, well, I, I don't know what to do. I wanted to take the hand of the two ladies next to me. I thought that would even be more trouble. I better I just held my own hand. And... Just kind of said, and that's when the Lord reminded me, you know, your life is in my hands. I'm I'm in total control, and you can trust me even in the bumpy times because it's unusual that you'll fly and you won't get some turbulence. True? It's just a part of life. If you're going to fly, you're going to get turbulence, and there's times when I've just got to go, Lord, I need to know that even in the turbulent times that I can trust you and what we often do is in the times when we lack provision, we forget that there's a God who has given us promise. We love to shout his promise when he has provided. The challenge is that we hold on to his promise while we're waiting for provision. Does that make sense? And so for some of us, that's where we need to be right now. Now, the reality is, especially for those of you who might be prone to worry, or I don't want to minimize any of this. Like some of this can sound overly simplistic, Especially if you've had real challenges with anxiety. Like, I'm not for a moment going, hey, why don't you just snap out of it? We have to come back over and over again to some real truths in God's word. So that's what we've done in this series, right? We're going to talk about things that we say to ourselves, like I have been provided for. Like, we're going to hang on to that truth. But I want to give you some scripture to back it up. So that in those moments, when that worry, when that fear, when that anxiety might come your way, what do you do with that? Well, let's start here. When you need provision, remember Philippians 4.19. When you need provision, when you need God to provide for you, here's a great scripture. Some of you may need to write this one down. Remember Philippians 4.19. Why? What does it say? It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory, in Christ Jesus. Why this passage? Well, for some of you, I would encourage you to to go back and read all of Philippians 4. In fact, if you're looking for a God who is a provider, what you might wanna do is, especially if you're in a tough spot, maybe go back to Philippians 4 over and over again. If if you've ever used the, the Bible app that comes from... Life Church, sometimes it's called YouVersion. If you've ever used that app, our notes are on there every Sunday if you, if you wanna use that. It has a feature where you can go to a passage of scripture and you can press the little play button and it'll read it to you. It'll read God's word to you, which is powerful. And just so you know, this, this is not too long ago, I can't remember which service it is, so I'm probably throwing somebody under the bus, but I was up here preaching and somebody was using their Version notes and it started reading the Bible to them right there. So I was competing with the word of God as I was trying to preach, but the word of God does not return void, but just don't do that. But here's what happened. You you might have to listen to that passage. Philippians chapter 4, Paul writes it. He's sitting in prison. You want to talk about needing provided for. And in that jail cell, he says, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. Do you know why he said don't be anxious? Not because he was holy, but because he was probably talking to himself instead of listening to himself. And in a tough time, he was saying, okay, don't be anxious. But instead, he says, pray and be thankful. And for some of you in a place of provision, you need to start by being thankful and saying, God, I'm going to thank you, even in this place. And then he goes on to say, I've learned the secret of being content Some of us need to say in moments of provision, we need to say, God, I thank you for the way that you've provided in the past. I'm gonna trust you to provide in this moment. And God, until you do, I'm gonna be content because I know that you are my God. He says the secret to being content is that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then he says this in, in Philippians 4, 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. For some of us, we need to go back to that passage over and over and over again. And for some of us, here's another scripture to consider. When you wonder if God has a plan, remember Jeremiah 29, 11. When you wonder if God has a plan, remember Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. There's a lot to that passage. If you've, if you've ever read the whole chapter, Jeremiah 29. We put verse 11 up on the walls of our houses, don't we? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future, and we like it on our walls, we just don't always put it in our hearts. Have you ever read the headlines and wondered if there's a God who has a plan? If you haven't, don't worry, we're going into an election cycle, you will. (laughs) But in those moments when we start to worry because of the headlines, when we start to worry about our job or our spouse, we wrestle with infertility, we're not sure we're gonna make it, through the season at school, when the doctor gives us that diagnosis, it's important for us to come back in those moments and remember that God has a plan. And it's, it's not a bad plan. He has a plan to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope in a future. And so when worry starts to come in, one of the things that we are to say to ourselves is I am provided for. Which takes us to the, the next one. We'll, we'll keep moving here. This this is number four as we're moving through these these two weeks, and and it's this. It's I will find my faith. Number four. I will find my faith. So go ahead and say that with me. I will find my faith. One more time. I will. Find my faith. What what do we mean by that? We'll go back to the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter six verse thirty. He says, "If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire." Will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith? You got small faith, he says. He's talking to people who have been with him 24-7. And he's talking to people who have seen him do miracles. And yet he acknowledges sometimes all of us have little faith you ever been driving? You're, you're busy. You're going from place to place. You've got things going on. You're picking up kids. You're dropping this off. you got to go to the store. You're doing all this. And all of a sudden, you look down, and your car goes ding, 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 ding. And you find out you are ye of little gas. Do you know what I'm talking about? And you get to that point, point, you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that my tank was so empty. And the same thing can happen, especially in difficult times with our faith. And we can become those of little faith. And in those moments... When a worry and anxiety comes, we have to say, I will find my faith. I'm not just going to be those of little faith. I need to pick up my faith. I need to step up my faith. I need to move forward with my faith. The question then is, how do we do that? How do we fill our faith tank? Well, Paul says this to us when he, when he was talking about the full armor of God, right? He says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. He says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Don't miss this. He connects taking up the shield of faith with the fact that you have an enemy who's trying to take you out with his flaming arrows, He's trying to take you out. So if you think that when it's time for you to pick up your faith that you're not in some kind of battle with an enemy, you're mistaken by that. We have an enemy who would love to destroy us. After the last uh, sermon that where we talked about worry, a friend of mine texted me this picture. I, th- I thought this was cute. And uh, it's a little note from a boy. It says, Dear God, I have scary dreams at night. Where do they come from? Or should I ask the devil that? <laughs> Billy. Billy. I think Billy's a really good theologian, don't you? (laughs) Because he's figured it out. God is not the author of fear. And so when those things come our way, we need to call it for what it is. Where does anxiety come from? Well, anxiety comes from uncertainty. And the enemy will use that uncertainty. If he can shake the truth, if he can shake your confidence, he is going to do it. Uncertainty is a weapon of the enemy. And one of those flaming arrows that he's going to send your way to try to take you out is if he can get you to fear, if he can get you to doubt, if he can make you anxious in your heart where you're not experiencing God's grace and you're not experiencing his peace, especially if you're not experiencing his joy. That is a source of depression for many of us. And we've got to realize that the enemy's trademark is lies. And if he can use uncertainty, if he can use deception, if the father of lies can lie to you as a weapon, especially to rob your confidence in your peace and fill you with worry, you better believe he's gonna do it because you are in a spiritual battle. The, the, yesterday was April Fool's Day. Did any of you get fooled? Anybody, anybody get you? Back in 1980, there's a TV station in Boston, WNAC, that on April Fool's Day, one of the producers put a story out Now, this is at the time when Mount St. Helens out west was erupting, and that was a major news story. So this producer put out a news story that said a place called the Great Blue Hill in Milton, Massachusetts, had become volcanic. Well, it's just a hill. There's nothing volcanic about it. There was nothing true about this. But they put out the story and said that this Great Blue Hill had become volcanic, and with it they showed footage of Mount St. Helens erupting broadcast this to people, and then at the end of it, they put up a little you know, note on the screen that said, April Fools, ha, 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 until people started calling the police and wondering if they needed to evacuate. Like the news story went out and filled people with fear, it filled them with uncertainty, it caused them to start to make bad decisions, like the whole thing went out there. Eventually, this producer that did it, he, had, he, had to, he got fired, he lost his job for, quote, failure to exercise good news judgment. But it was a lie that caused fear and caused worry. It caused people to panic. It put them in a place of instability. And it's not just April 1st when the devil will do that to you. The devil's really good at this. He he likes to kind of warp the decision of things in our lives. And what he likes to do is he likes to take what is a big thing and make you think it's a little thing. And he likes to take little things and make you think they're big things, and his tactic is to, if you ever have this run through your mind, where it's kinda like, well, it's just, then know you might be falling for a trap. Like, the devil likes to take things that are actually really big things and make them seem little things, because he'll say, well, it's just a little sin. It's just something that you don't have to worry about. It's just just one more little drink. It's It's just being a little flirty. It's just a little sin, and he'll tell you those things, and he'll want you to do big things by telling you that they're just little things, and oftentimes he'll take what really are just little things and try to make you think they're big things. Well, it's just too big for you. It's probably just too big for God. You're just not enough, and God just doesn't care about you. And he'll take the little problems in our lives and cause us to think that we're just not enough and turn them into big things with lies. And then he'll take the big things and cause us to think that they're just little sins, little things. That's his tactic. And in doing that, he not only can put you on a path to destruction, but in the process, he will rob you of your peace, he will rob you of confidence, and he will fill your heart with worry and with anxiety. Now look, I know it's not easy. Right, especially when these these moments come, when these worries come, when we need to build up our faith. And after Easter, we are gonna jump into Matthew chapter seven. And I don't know that I've been like this excited about a series in quite a while. Because when we get into Matthew chapter seven, Jesus is gonna give us really practical tools for how to build our lives with a strong faith. But some of you are in a place where the enemy has been having a heyday with you and with your mind and with your thoughts and with your worry. And I just wanna encourage you, please, please, please do not give up. Like I put that on the screen because I don't want you just to hear it, I want you to see it. Please, please, please do not give up up. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on faith. Don't give up on yourself. I put that on the screen. Please, please, please do not give up. I put that on the screen. Please, please, please do not get up. I even put that on the screen. Please, 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 do not give up. It's not going up there. I just want whoever's doing that to not give up. Like I just want you to hear that. I think it's not up there because some of you need to hear it. Some of you wanna give up on God. Please, 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 do not give up. because you're buying into lies that book attacking anxiety sean johnson points these things out that i thought were so helpful for people that i've interacted with because in those times you need to know you are not crazy you are not alone and this will end but when you start to believe that you're crazy you're by yourself or this is going to last forever you start to give up and you know who would love for you to give up 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know who's easier to give up or to, to devour? I just told you. Those who give up. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Look, just so you know, this is like any contest, and you have an opponent who wants you to lose, Now, your team wants you to win. I want you to win. The the other people sitting in this room joining you online, they want you to win. You have a coach who knows you better than anybody, and he wants you to win. But you have an opponent and an enemy who wants you to give up and lose. And it's in these seasons that we so much more need to put our faith in God. I I didn't say in these contests. I said in these seasons, because they often come in seasons. It's usually not just... One battle and that's the war. If you follow the NFL, you know there's, there's 17 games kinda of week after week after week and you might even get a bye week thrown in here and there. And sometimes you're in a season that lasts for weeks. And then there's the NBA. The NBA season's 82 games. Some other seasons are longer than others. You know we had opening day for baseball this week. Major league season's 162 games. <laughs> it's quite a season. And sometimes you might go through quite a season. Not because God's not there, but because that's life. And please do not give up. So what do you do? What, how did we start this? We said I, in those moments, I will find my faith. How do you find your faith? Finding faith begins with picking it up. Paul says you won't just find the shield of faith in your hand. He says take up the shield of faith. Pick up the shield of faith. You hang on to the shield of faith, and finding faith begins with picking it up. This is, this is fascinating to me. I was talking with someone who's in public education, works with teenagers, he's pointing out to me one of the things he's seen is not just in our school systems but in our culture right now, everybody wants to identify their struggle. And I don't mean this to minimize those that have legitimate struggles, but it's cool right now for all of us to say, this is my struggle. And this is how my struggle defines my life. And we're happy to stop there and say, this is my struggle. This is how it defines my life. Instead of saying, and it's an adversity that God will help me overcome. Because the enemy would love to see you stuck in your struggle when God says that the truth will set you free. So one of the things that we have to do is we have to pick up our faith. How do we do that? Well, it starts by picking up the Bible, I know that sounds overly simplistic, but the best weapon that we have against worry and fear and anxiety and doubt is the word of God. God says, thank you. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Christ from hearing the word of God. And when the Word of God gets into our hearts, that builds faith up in us. So I want you to know, and this is key, and we'll come back to this again and again today, that in those moments, we have to come back to the Word of God not just once. We have to come back to the Word of God over and over again. We don't talk to God just once when we experience worry, when we experience doubt, when we experience fear. We come back to Him over and over again because oftentimes that worry has built up and has so many layers on us that we have to pray away the layers of that worry, we have to use God's word to continually help us to move forward in those things. Does that make sense? Like, how many of you ever saw a movie in this building back in the day? Anybody? Yeah, a lot of us, right? It was a movie theater. And you might remember that when we, we bought the building in December of 2010, moved into the building in December of 2012, And when we got the building, and you can notice when you walk down the hallways where that chair rail is that that goes down the hall, everything below that was this same blue carpet that's on the walls in here. And we decided as we prayed about it, the Lord did not want us to have that blue carpet anymore, amen? (laughs) So so if you were lucky, you would go over to that that blue carpet when it was time to take it off. And we had a contractor that was great that we worked with, but we performed, ourselves performed a lot of the work that was in this building. And that was part of what we did in some of that demo. So we had volunteers who literally would come in every day and would help us to get that carpet off the walls. And, and we're talking for months, you, you could maybe grab hold of some of that carpet and you, it's the whole, build, the carpet people love this building. You pull the carpet off the wall and you'd be like, oh, I got that big chunk of carpet up. But there was adhesive under it. The same stuff I think they used to hold the space shuttle together. This stuff was not glue, it was demonic. And it's just so, and we had to go after it, and we had to find these, and and we looked at all the different options, what's the best thing, how do we do this, all this kind of stuff, and the best thing for us, for the walls, for the project, for the budget, for everything, we gotta get that glue off of there. And I'm talking, we had armies of people that would come into the building that would get on their hands and knees, and they would work to scrape that glue off the walls. We had people who figured out the best kind of scrapers to use. We even had people who came in with holsters, with their own scrapers come in like in the Wild West and just scrape away. Because it wasn't just this process where it's just, it's all gone, we start over. Sometimes it's a process where you have to work hard to peel away at layers of the stuff that you've had stuck to you for a long time. And that happens through prayer. That happens through the word of God. And Sometimes we say, God, why don't you just deliver me all at once from these things? Could he deliver you all at once from those things? Yes. But if he delivers you all at once this time, then you've not built up the strength that you know how to fight back the next time. And you have short-term deliverance, but you have very weak strength in long-term options. And Sometimes the only way that we're ready for the journey ahead is if God lets us Build up that strength so you go back to God's word over and over again. That that passage we talked about, Philippians 4, you might have to go back to it over and over again and choose to be thankful. You might have to go back to it over and over again and tell God, I'm going to choose to be content. You might have to go back to it over and over again and pray for peace that passes understanding. You might have to go back to it over and over again and say, God, I know you'll provide for me. Are you with me? But you go back over and over again. You pick up God's word, and you also pick up each other because in those seasons of times, we not only need to pick up God's word, we need each other to pick us up. Faith is built by being with one another. Look, I, I'm so thankful for technology. I'm so thankful that in all these different seasons that we've had and seasons of people's lives, we can join each other. But there's something powerful about when we come together. There's something powerful about when we're with each other. Like, like next Sunday is going to be a blast because it's Easter Sunday, and on Easter, everybody shows up, right? And and especially some of you that are here in this 10 o'clock service, I would encourage you, um, not only does everybody show up for Easter, but everybody seems to show up at 10. And so you might want to even look at maybe another service option, if Saturday might be a good fit for you. You you say, but this uh, this is my seat. It belongs to my bottom at 10 o'clock, right? You might say that. But next week, some of you are going to invite people who you know need to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. In fact, let me just say this. If you know someone who needs to experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, then God wants you to invite them next week. They might not show up, but that invitation might be the nudge to get them to think about God or to get them to open the Bible or maybe even to get them to log in online. And God move things closer in their hearts Towards a transformation power that only he can bring. Why do I stress all of this? Because we need each other. And especially in the hard times. Paul says this, Galatians chapter six, verse two. He says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We need each other. And can I say this? If you are in a bad place, like if you are struggling with worry, if you feel like maybe you're in a season, you might not even want to say it out loud. But you just, I just feel tired. I feel weary. I might even feel kind of depressed. If you're in a place like that, do not trust yourself because oftentimes the enemy knows the places where we're vulnerable and that's when he can put us in a place where we make bad decisions, where we make choices we regret. And those are times when we need each other. I remember a time when I had, I had some expectations for some things in my life just sky high and they did not hit sky high. <laughs> they hit real low. And I remember thinking, I don't know what to do here. And I ran through a lot of scenarios and a lot of of thoughts. And then I called a friend who I knew had been there. And when I called him, he gave me perspective. And he helped talk me through it. And he helped me think through some options. He helped me to realize that it wasn't near as bad as I thought it was. And then he encouraged me. And then he prayed with me. And then he followed up with me. And I know that that phone call, that I made that phone call, not only helped me see with greater perspective the decisions I needed to make, but it also kept me from making some decisions that I'm so glad I didn't make. We need each other. When you know someone's going through a tough time, you pray for them, and then you listen to how the Holy Spirit speaks to you about speaking and encouraging them. Let me give you one other thought real quick. When when you need to find your faith, you pick up one foot after the other. When you're in that spot and it's a tough spot, don't just stay stuck there. What's, what's the, the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And how do you walk? You pick up one foot and then you pick up the other. And sometimes the best way to pick up your faith is by just starting to take steps of faith because your actions lead your feelings. Actions lead feelings. Oftentimes, we're led by our feelings and let our feelings dictate our actions, where the biblical idea, I think the practical idea, the best idea, is that we let our actions lead our feelings. Don't let your feelings, your emotions just determine your actions. Let's just say it this way. Like, like as a parent, you love your children, but there are some days when you don't love them as much as the first day you ever saw them. Amen? (laughs) But you still do what's right on those days. You still care for them. You still provide for them. You don't just let your feelings affect you in that. And sometimes you can't just sit there in your worry. If you want to quiet your worry, be fruitful. Fruitfulness quiets worry. They've done studies that one of the best things you can do in moments when you are just kind of down is, I know some of you are going to to hold this against your spouse here in just a moment, but it's to clean your house. We we talk about spring cleaning, but that's not just good for your house. Some some of you need to hear that. It's not just good for your house. It's good for your soul. It's good for your mind. There's something about moving ahead in some ways. Fruitfulness, quiet, worry. So if you need to find your faith, let me give you just a, a couple of thoughts. One, you wonder if you can do it. We do that sometimes, right? Where we're like, I don't know that I can do it. I, I doubt myself, I doubt this situation, I doubt these things. When you wonder if you can do it, remember Joshua 1.9. When you wonder if you can do it, remember Joshua 1.9. I love this passage of scripture. Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded you, God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you whenever you go. That one will build your faith, won't it? Be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's a a good word. Easier said than done, Chad. You say to yourself, because the Bible says God will be with me, but sometimes it feels like he's not. Have you ever had those seasons where you wonder where he is? Like, God, you say you're here, but I don't know where you are. I don't feel you. I don't sense your presence. God, I want to have faith in you. But what do you do when you want to have faith but you, you don't feel like he's there? When it comes down to those moments when you wonder where God is, you have two choices. Ron and I were high school sweethearts, and I'm a year older than she is. Um, You can tell. (laughs) And I went away to Springfield, Missouri to go to college while she was a senior in high school back here in Northeast Ohio. And we had been dating for some time, and we're pretty committed to each other. But it was unique because now I'm gone, and she's not with me. And I could feel that. I could feel that she wasn't with me. We we couldn't text, we couldn't call as much as we would want to, we couldn't FaceTime, because we didn't have that technology back in the Jurassic Age, right? (laughs) I used paper and wrote letters, which was nice, maybe for a phone call once a week, but she wasn't with me, so I had two options. I could stay committed, or I could walk away. I could stay committed to that relationship, or I could check out the other new and shiny things around me. I had a choice. And that choice will come to you anytime when something or someone you're committed to feels far from you. What choice will you make? Will you stay committed? Or will you grab hold of the thing that, that feels close right now? And can I tell you something? I'm so glad I held on to the real thing. Almost 30 years later, pray for Rhonda, almost 30 years later, I'm so thankful. And you will go through seasons where it will feel like God is far from you. Can I tell you this? When you get on the other side of the season, my experience has been, every time I'm on the other side of that season, that's when I realize he was closest to me during that time than he'd ever been. Like, he'll never leave you or forsake you. But your mind, the circumstances, those seasons, I don't know why, but sometimes it feels like he's far. You have two choices to make. Are you gonna try reaching out for every other shiny thing that comes your way? Or are you gonna stay committed to the real and only love that's gonna last? Because he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. And in those moments when your faith feels low, let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. In those moments when your faith feels low, remember this I can do all this through him who gives me strength. We got just a couple more minutes. Let me hit the fifth one for you. We've talked about provision, we've talked about building up our faith. Here's the last one that Jesus hits to us because sometimes you have to talk to yourself, not just listen to yourself. Number 5 says this, I will look higher. Number 5, I will look higher. Here's how Jesus kind of puts a bow on this whole discussion. Matthew 6:33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, not just the things that seem to be right here in front of you. Look higher than those things, not just your worry, not just your needs, not just your lack, not just your fears. Look higher than those things to his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You think about it, what gives us anxiety? It's lack, we've talked about provision. It's fear, we've talked about faith. And oftentimes it's, it's our focus, and we need to have our focus in the right place and sometimes even if we can't feel it sometimes even if we don't understand it and sometimes even though it keeps coming i have to decide when worry knocks on my door that i'm going to fix my eyes on jesus that i'm going to seek first his kingdom and i want you to see a theme that's here 2nd corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god look at this and we take every and we take captive Every thought, that is harsh military language that Paul uses. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He says this, that on a regular basis, your thoughts are going to turn towards worry. On a regular basis, fear is going to come your way. On a regular basis, the enemy of your soul is going to shoot those flaming arrows to try to get you to doubt and give up and walk away. And in all those moments, you have to come back to it over and over again. You have to come back to His Word. You have to pick each other up again. You have to pick up one foot after the other. What's going to happen here, and I'm confident of this, in just a couple of minutes, we're going to pray, and some of you are going to feel worry lift from you. You are going to feel God's peace that passes understanding come to you. You're going to have a sense of grace that you haven't had in days, weeks, or months, or years. Because we're going to pray, and the Holy Spirit is here, and we can't help but feel his presence because he's the spirit of peace. Does that make sense? But it's not going to take long for the enemy of your soul to fire another arrow your way. This isn't how you fire an arrow. Don't do that. That would probably kill you. But you know what I mean, right? He's going to fire another arrow your way. And when he does, you have to pick the shield up again. You have to decide again, I'm going to seek first God's kingdom. It's not a one-time thing. We went and visited our our son and daughter-in-law not too long ago that that moved to Springfield, Missouri, and they're they're kind of flipping a house, and we're helping them to do this, and we were doing all this work, and what happened is we would eat breakfast, two of the days we were there, we would eat breakfast in the morning, and then we'd get working on all these projects, and then about three or four in the afternoon, we would find out that we didn't have lunch. I got ripped off. (laughs) I need three squares a day. And Clayton and I would start complaining, hey, what happened to lunch? We don't need lunch. You had breakfast. No, that's not how it works. Just because I had breakfast doesn't mean I don't need lunch. We're going to have dinner in a little while, but I'm hungry now. Right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I don't like to skip lunch, even, even this. What, what if you said to me, hey, I, I, I want some dinner tonight. I would say to you, you're fine. You had dinner yesterday. And you'd say, that's not how it works. And I'd say, you'll be fine. You had dinner yesterday. You'll be fine today if you don't have dinner. But The way our bodies work is we need nourishment on a regular basis. True? And I don't know what you're eating process is, but I know this, if you don't have some eating process, this thing's going to fall apart. And you have to consistently come back and eat again, and eat again, and eat again. And the same thing's true with God's word. Because worry is not going to let up. A broken world is not going to get fixed until Jesus comes again. And if that's the case, you're going to have to take thoughts captive again. You're not going to say, hey, God failed me. No, God didn't fail you. He gave you every tool that that you need as you trust in him. So let me give you one more scripture and then we'll, we'll wrap up and pray here. Psalm 139, 23. Psalm one thirty nine twenty three. David says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my what? Anxious. Anxious thoughts. That one hit me. Of all the things he could have said, he said, God, when you look at me, don't just look at, at the things I've done wrong. Lord, look at the places in me where I've not dealt with worry. See if there's any offensive way in me and instead lead me in the way everlasting. He says when our hearts aren't right, when there's offensive sin in our lives and when we're filled with worry, it keeps us from the eternal things that God has for us. So the reason that Jesus says this and the reason that David says this and the reason that Paul says this, the reason that scripture screams this to some of us is we need to ask God to trade our temporary anxiety for eternal stability for many of us, we've been so centered on the worry that we have right there in front of us. My challenge to you today is to ask God to trade your temporary anxiety for eternal stability. And the next time worry comes, you don't just listen to yourself, you talk to yourself. And you say, God, I will look to higher things and I will put this in your hands. Years ago, this is... Years and years ago, back when I was, am I allowed to say in church that I used to be dumber? Can I say that? Is that all right? Back when I was dumber, we, I had this Buick. I love the car, but drove it for way too long to the point that I just, and I was, I was just dumb. I didn't know how to take care of it. I didn't know how to do a lot of different stuff. And at the time, I just kept driving the car, and it got to a point where it was like there was a lot of work that needed done, but I didn't want to invest the money in the car, but that meant I needed to go get a new car, and I was too busy. I didn't have the time. I didn't quite know what I was doing, all this kind of stuff. So I didn't do either things. I just kept driving this, this car. And eventually, the brakes didn't work quite right, but they were good most of the time. So that was, that was, that was good. And then there would be these times when it would just the, the, some of the computer stuff inside of it wasn't right, and I'd just be driving down the street, and it would just start bucking and doing all this kind of stuff. But it was all right. It was fine it was most of the time. And then sometimes it got to the point where every time I sat behind the wheel, I started to worry. Like, am I, I would never take it out of town, so that was fine. But then I started to worry that it wasn't going to make it in town or that it wouldn't make it at all anywhere. And after a long time of every time I sat in that vehicle on the journey I was on, I was filled with worry about this car. It finally hit me. I can do something about this. It, was, it wasn't necessarily, I mean, we had even been considering, hey, we need to get another car. We, we, financially, we were in a place where we could get another car. Like, we had all those things sorted out. I just, I just didn't do it. I was too busy. I had too many other things. I just didn't want to, I, I, if I could just ignore it. But I was stuck in this place that had no stability. And eventually, we went to the dealer. We found a car. Hey, this is what we're going to do. We did all this stuff. And I said, hey, will you, will you, will you take a trade-in? And when I told them, what, I didn't show it to him. I just told him what it was. They, they, they offered me like a mercy killing. Do you know what I mean? Wasn't much money, but they took it off my hands. And I remember literally driving that car, pulling into the dealership, and as I pulled in, it died. I coasted into the traffic spot, or the parking spot, got out, and said, good riddance in the name of the Lord. And I traded in my worry mobile for something that gave me a lot more confidence and stability I still had construction to deal with. I still had traffic to deal with. I still had challenges to deal with in life's journey. I just had a whole lot more confidence along the way. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for me for just a minute in this room, auditorium two, watching this on a screen somewhere? Because today's a day where some of you need to trade in your worry for God's confidence and his stability. And he says, if you'll trust me, then I'll, I'll put everything else in your hands. I don't want to embarrass you, but I think oftentimes a a spiritual reality requires a physical response. And I'm actually going to stand with you here in just a moment. But if you've got some worry, whatever that might be, and today you say, God, I, I want to trade in my worry for whatever you have for me, that peace, that confidence, whatever it might be. Some of us need to stand with a spouse. Some of us need to stand in faith for another person who's struggling with anxiety. Some of us need to stand, even though we haven't seen the promise yet, we're holding on to it while we wait for the provision. But some of us today, we need to, we need to stand and say, God, I want to trade in my worry. the things that you have for me if that's you would you just stand right where you are right now auditorium two in this room it's not anything to be sad or embarrassed about it's something you say, god it's not because there's something wrong with me it's because i want everything to be right you just say god i need to trade in some worry today Let me say this, whether you're standing or seating, some of you know what it's like for God to come and bring peace and worry. And there'd be nothing better than for um, you to stand and put a a hand on the shoulder of somebody else. You you don't need to look at them and go, what are you worried about? Don't do that. Just, Just put a hand on their shoulder. Some of you right now, you wanna stand, put a hand on a shoulder. Just kind of encourage somebody. There's something about those moments when we know that someone's with us, praying with us. I've often found this too. It's often in the times when I'm praying for someone else that God's able to pour faith into my life with what I'm walking through. So Lord, your word says that we can cast our cares on you. Lord, your word tells us to be anxious for nothing. God, your word tells us that when we worry, we should... And trust that to you. We seek first you and your kingdom. We look to higher things. God, you are the one who's gonna provide. Lord, you're the one that's gonna help us when we pick up our faith. And Lord, this is what I believe right now. The Holy Spirit is pouring peace into some lives. Jesus, you are the prince of peace. Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of peace. God, you're the God of peace. And right now for some people, Lord, in ways that they've not known in so long, would you pick up work, pick up depression, pick up anxiety, fill it with peace instead. Lord, and even when the enemy comes back against us, that we would grab hold of the promises in your word time and time and time, and time again. And we would trust you Where there's worry, you'd bring peace. And when there's fear, you'd bring faith. Where there's lack, you'd bring provision. God, where there's doubt, you would bring a divine sense of your presence. For the one who who says, God, I just don't feel you right now. Lord, I pray that this week you would surprise them with your presence. At some moment at home or at school or on the job, they're going to realize just how close you are to them. Lord, this meant so much to you that you made a major part of the most important sermon you ever preached to say, hey, don't worry, but look to me. Lord, there's there's somebody watching this or in this room right now who says, I I don't need to just get rid of worry. I, I need forgiveness. I need hope. I need a fresh start. I need the whole package. There's no moment like right now to just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Everything I have is yours. Lord, I trust you today. God, I just sense this is a holy moment. Would you trade out our unstable worry for the eternal stability of your peace and grace in our lives? Lord, would this be a day that we'll write down that something changed in our hearts? There was a breakthrough. Anxiety was broken and and depression started to move in the other direction. And that today you brought peace. Lord, we love you. And thank you that we know we don't have to walk through this life alone. So would you go with us with your special favor and with your wonderful peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Make sure that uh, you pray and ask the Lord who he would have you to invite to our services this weekend. We'll see you a good Friday. Share a word of encouragement with someone as you go. Have a great week.